Web Show. I did old, uh, some poll uh, over the weekend. Right. Not me so honia. Here we go. On Twitter at 1270AFAN. Taking your calls at 270-1270. Here we go. The Tim Graham Show. Uh-oh. Tim Graham Show from the get-go, from the jump, breaking news. The Buffalo Bills have agreed to terms with the following free agents. Wide receiver Cole Beasley, wide receiver John Brown, guard John Feliciano, running back Frank Gore, tight end Tyler Croft, center Mitch Morse, tackle Ty Neshecki. Nothing we didn't know. Hey. But it was just announced at 4 o'clock, right as we were coming on the air. So for the record. (laughs) Actual news. Hang on, hang on. I know. Wait, what is it, Bobby? There's there's actual news. Play the sound effect. Sorry, go ahead. I don't hear it. Do you have your headphones plugged in? No, I have them plugged in my computer. Dude, you're an idiot. I really. What are you, Jerry? It's not a great start to the new year. But the news is. ESPN's Adam Schefter reporting that Lions free agent defensive end Ziggy Ansah is scheduled to visit Buffalo, Buffalo first, and then New Orleans second. Wow, that don't let him out of the building. <laughs> Maybe he'll leave. Maybe he'll he won't leave without a contract. Well, that's interesting. Ziggy Ansah is a hell of a player. So much going on. I was at UB's Pro Day out at One Bills Drive today. Tyree Jackson was out there slinging the Duke. Anthony Johnson ran the 40. He didn't do that at the Combine a couple of weeks ago. He ran about a 4-5. Jake Dolagala, who was on the show last week, he was out there throwing it. He actually looked pretty good. Guy can throw a ball, man. It was reminiscent of Josh Allen with the way he could just throw a bullet. The poor receiver, the kid from Marist, I don't even know what his name was, but he was the the guy who was running the routes for Jake Dolagala was worn out after about six or seven routes. I hear the poor kid, he's thinking, all right, I'm a local. I'm going to be at UB's Pro Day. They've invited me to be a part of it. This is my chance. I'm in front of all these NFL scouts, and uh, here's my chance. And he he's catching passes from a guy who burned your fingerprints off which is what Jake Dolagala was doing, and he had trouble hanging on to the ball. He could not catch up to Jake Dolagala's long ball. In fact, there was one where he got a fifth. They gave him a 15. They lined him up 15 yards out and then told him to start running when Jake Dolagala dropped back and threw it, and, and the receiver still couldn't catch up to it. So is anyway. That, is that almost like – is that almost part of the performance, though, to make Jake Dolagala look even better? Uh, Kayfabe a little bit? I don't know. Maybe Jim Kubiak was out there. He scripted the whole workout. You know, the uh, renowned local passing instructor Jim Kubiak has been working with Jake Dolagala. He was there running that. But um, anyway, w- what's the problem here? Mike Rodak's having issues. I what, can't Bobby? hear Tim's mic. You can't. Tim's sitting right next to you. Can't hear him. Right, but I, that's what I Check think is head- happening. I think I'm hearing him. Check your headphones in real again. life. I can hear Jonah. In my headphones, I can't hear Tim. Yeah, check check your mic or your uh, your thing. Make sure you're plugged uh, it's, in. All it's the all the way in. Okay. 
Well, let me, I'm not let trying, me to, I'm not me trying to disrupt that. the show. I'm just simply saying I want to hear what Tim's saying. And maybe our listeners you can't anything hear now? Tim either. Are you telling me you can't hear Tim? He's sitting one foot away from I, you. I can hear him. Like, he is sitting one foot away from me. I can hear him, but I can't hear him it's electronically. It's right. Are so, you hearing me in I'm your headphones? I'm hearing you fine. I'm hearing you in my headphones as you talk. I'm not hearing Tim as he talks. Right now? Headphones. Right now. It's like... Spaceballs, like right now. I'm Tim Graham, senior writer from The Athletic, here with my co-host, Mike Rodak of ESPN.com, Jonah Bronstein, the renowned local college basketball, football, <laughs> high school recruiting. I mean, nobody knows more about the local sports scene than Jonah Bronstein. Especially I did, the uh, high school gymnastics. Have you been covering that, that oh, yeah, lately? I was, Cover the sectionals, wrote about the states. I'm all over that beat. No kidding. I haven't seen that work of yours yet. I'll send you the link. Have you been tweeting it out? Yeah. Bobby Rosati's diddling the knobs. So what do you think about your Buffalo Bills and their signings? I rattled them off there at the top of the show because they're all official. Wide receiver Cole Beasley, wide receiver John Brown, Mike Rodak is over here trying to get work done. Multitasking. I'm, I'm typing out my blurb about Ziggy Ansa, which not to demean the list of free agents they've signed, but that's the newest news that we have. And we knew that there was some level of interest from the Bills and Ansa that had been reported the last couple of days. Obviously, there's there's more layers to the defensive end situation than just signing Ziggy Ansa. If that move does happen and he is considered one of the best pass rushers left in the market, then obviously there's another shoe that will need to drop with the Bills at defensive end. If not this year, then certainly next year. And it's the same situation we've talked about before, but what do you do with Jerry Hughes in the last year of his deal? What do you do with Shaq Lawson entering the last year of his deal, but the fifth-year option due by May? And what do you do with Trent Murphy, who underperformed last year given injuries, has not really been healthy since 2016 and is slated to make $8.7 million this year for the Bills. So uh, there would probably be some secondary move that would happen if the Bills did sign Ziggy Ansa. Um, but look, I mean, it's it's a sneaky position of need given those contract situations and given the fact that the Bills really didn't have an over, overwhelmingly great pass rush last year either. For the record, in case you are just joining us, uh, maybe you're getting off of work just at four and are now in your car a couple of minutes later, the Bills made seven uh, acquisitions so far today. They made them official. Nothing we haven't known or has been reported uh, prior to today. Wide receiver, let's go to the skill positions first. Wide receivers Cole Beasley and John Brown. Running back Frank Gore, tight end Tyler Croft. And then three offensive linemen. Center Mitch Morse is the big one. Guard John Feliciano. And then tackle Ty Nisicki, who, I don't know, he's getting paid like a starter, but really doesn't have a history of being a starter. He's six foot eight. He's a monster, but he has more experience in the Arena League than he does in the National Football League. I think it's uh, 16 starts in Washington over the last four seasons. Does that sound right? Something along 16 starts in, in the last four seasons for Washington. Um, you get a lot of positive uh, reviews of his play 
on Twitter the, yesterday. Uh, and that's where it counts, really. Of course, that's that's the most important thing, as they always say. And you know, a lot of people looking at his his pressures allowed, and it's pretty low uh, for what he allowed in Washington. There's some pretty positive tape uh, of him against Jadavion Clowney that was circulating yesterday. And you could probably make the case that he was stuck behind two pretty good tackles in Washington with Trent Williams and Morgan Moses, who weren't going anywhere, but they did get hurt, or at least Trent Williams got hurt, and that's how Ty and Seki saw the field. And uh, look, it's a pretty good payday for a guy who's 33, going on 34 in October, spent the first five or six years of his career in the AFL and even the AFL Developmental League, AF2, and really started to get his footing underneath him as far as his career with Washington in the last couple of years. And now at the end of his career, he's getting his first big deal at $14 million over two years, $8 million guaranteed, which it's a decent amount of money for the Bills to pay for a player who has never really been a full-time starter. I understand that he has started games and he has performed well when starting games. Um, he's got to be a starter here for that contract. Right. right? And it's just a matter of where. I think right now it's very easy to slot him into the right tackle spot, but things could always change. If they draft somebody at number nine, a tackle, Jonah Williams or, or somebody like that, then maybe you start shifting things around. Maybe even put Ty Naseki on the left side and you put Deion Dawkins on the right side. I mean, Naseki played pretty well on the left for the for the Redskins. Can play guard as well. I mean, do you shift things around? They had assigned John Feliciano yesterday, another guard. Uh, same sort of, sort of situation for the Raiders was a part-time player or at least not a full-time starter, did start some games. He could potentially start at left guard. Spencer Long can start at guard. You know, Wyatt Teller's job is not safe. Vlad Dukas' job is certainly not safe. Uh, roster spot even. And he was down the line last year, deep on the depth chart. And, uh, you know, he could certainly be a cut within the next couple of days. Russell Bodine as well, who was just hanging around the facility today, he's – you know, his job is gone now that they've signed Mitch Moore. So a lot of changes along the offensive line. We don't know where everybody's going to fit, but I wouldn't rule out continued investment by the Bills, either in the draft or free agency at that spot. Phone lines are open if you want to call in and talk about the Bills' free agency pickup so far and the guys they didn't get. Not on that list, which we knew, but created the most buzz. Even more than Cole Beasley and uh, Mitch Morris, my two favorite signings so far. No Le'Veon Bell, no Antonio Brown. Uh, they, of course, go to the Jets and the Raiders, respectively. And that really has got the Bills fans most uh, in need of their fainting couches, right? Because those were such big names. And what did we learn, really? about Antonio Brown, and the Bills at least having some pursuit uh, of him, and even though it didn't uh, come to fruition, they didn't uh, close the deal, but we were able to learn from the Bills and what their uh, willingness to do. I think a lot of people looked at Antonio Brown as a non-starter for the Bills. Uh, He was anti-culture, same with Le'Veon Bell, but uh, the Bills at least considered, well, I should say, uh, Antonio Brown, there were uh, my sources uh, with the Bills uh, say that they did not have any interest in Le'Veon Bell, despite the reports that were out there. And uh, the other report that was floating around late last night is that the Bills tried to get in late on the Odell Beckham Jr. trade. Uh, but again, my Bills sources say that was absolutely not true, that the Giants were the team that reached out to the Bills 
because they were actively shopping Odell Beckham Jr., not that the Bills were trying to get them. Uh, so, as I said, phone lines are open, 270-1270. Uh, if you want to call in, uh, who do we have, Bob? We got Dave in uh, North Carolina wants to get your take on wide receivers. What's up, Dave? Yeah, what do you got, Dave? Uh, yeah, I was wondering if you think all the additions at wide receiver with Cole Beasley and now John Brown, if you think that means we are going offensive or defensive line in the first round of the draft. Oh, that's a great question, Dave. Uh it certainly does shore up a lot of the needs that the Bills have on the offensive side of the ball, but let's face it, uh, they still could use a great tight end. Uh, they could still use a great offensive lineman, as Mike Rodak was just explaining. We don't really know where all these people are going to slot in, and you can never have too many of those. But I will say, Dave, that with the acquisitions, again, all seven on the offensive side so far, that you're looking at uh, Sean McDermott at least being able to rationalize taking a defensive player with that first pick in the first round. I think it doesn't change anything. I think whatever conversation we were having about the draft a week ago still holds true today because I think they did what they said they would do, which was fill as many holes as they could in free agency and allow themselves to take the best player available. The, the Bills weren't going to – probably not going to take a receiver with the ninth overall pick. That's considered I, I a pretty risky – they could. If DK Metcalf is the player they think is going to be the number one wide receiver, they don't have one on their roster right now. I mean, Cole Beasley's right. a slot guy. Cole Beasley's also going to be 30 this year. It's not as if he's a young guy. John Brown is going to be 29 this year. He's not a number one wide receiver. They're paying him as a low end. I really like Cole Beasley, receiver. even if he doesn't work out. Maybe he's not exactly the right guy. I, I, I just think he's Im- immensely talented. But when was the last time the Bills had an actual slot receiver, like a legit right. slot receiver? We're probably going back to what? Uh, Roscoe Parrish, who Maybe, couldn't yeah. stay healthy. Josh I Reed. Even include him. I mean, Josh I, yeah. Reed. I mean, we have to go back a long ways to right. even say that the Bills had a guy who played the position and that Cole Beasley Robert plays. Woods maybe a little bit they used him yeah. in that way that's but that's not in other... the classic way that slot receivers get used yeah. that's I'm sorry good, go ahead Mike. no I was gonna say that's a, it's a good conversation we can have it later uh my personal what do you opinion, mean I, what if I want to have it now well let's have it now I'm saying I want to finish my other point though okay go ahead but Josh Allen as much as I've been on the show before obviously and I, I've made the case that I think the Bills could use a slot wide receiver I'm just not sure Josh Allen at the end of the day is still going to be able to take advantage of that given his his playing style. We know that those shorter throws trip him up. We know that he wants to throw the deep ball. Um, is he going to be able to hit Cole Beasley? Does he want to hit Cole Beasley for the three, four-yard play over the middle, or is he going to go for the deep ball? And that's another conversation we can have. But I wanted to also make the point that in terms of the draft, again, I still think everything is wide open. These deals, these players in a lot of cases, like, a guy like Ty Inseki, who's 33. A guy like Frank Gore, who's 35, going on 36. Like I said, John Brown, 29. Cole Beasley, 30. These are all, even though they're three, four-year deals in some cases, these could be short-term deals. The Bills structured them so that there's a lot of money up front. You know, Tyler Croft even is getting, um, I want to say, 6 or $7 million this year. Cole Beasley is getting that same amount. John Brown's getting $9 million or so this year. They're paying some money off of their cap this year, but they're giving themselves the flexibility to cut these players after one year, if need be, or two years in some cases, and have there be minimal salary cap impact. So theoretically, they are allowing themselves – they could clean house for most of their free agent signings this week, with the exception maybe of Mitch Morris next offseason, and they could have – Whoever they drafted this year, if they draft a tight end, wide receiver, 
um, running back, offensive lineman, any of those players could step in next year in a full-time role or even this year. So I don't think it changes much. I, I still think wide receiver can and should be on the table at number nine. I don't think they have a number one wide receiver on their roster. I know they've said this offseason they don't really need one, but at the end of the day is a group of Zay Jones – who's maybe a number two wide receiver at the NFL level, John Brown, who's probably a number two, Cole Beasley, who's a slot number three guy, and Robert Foster, who's a bit of a wild card, probably a number four. Is that good enough? I don't think so, in the long term especially. Yeah. Well, so. the Bills could go receiver in the first round, Mike, but my thinking hey, – look, I, I agree with what Bill Parcells told me for a story I did for uh, the free agency series that we did at The Athletic. He's, he, if I'm going to draft a receiver in the first round, he better walk on water. And, yes, the game has changed a little bit since Bill Parcells was a head coach in the NFL. But you take a look back at that great receiver class of 2014, and all those guys, with the exception of one, have changed teams. They're they're on some of them are on their third team. You but know. they're all good and, and yeah, but circumstances. It, but do there. you need to use a Benjamin. ninth overall pick on a receiver when no. when the when the Bills seem to be doing it in a by committee, which I think is somewhat healthy. But Dave, uh, before you go, I, I what does this free agent class so far? They're not done, uh, but what does this free agent class do for you as a Bills fan? And what do you want to see them do in the first round? Does it change your expectations? Um, I mean, I'm interested in DK Metcalf, uh, but his lack of production and injuries do make me nervous, even though he is just an absolute freak of nature. Um, So it's kind of risky, but it almost feels like if he does turn out good, that it's a risk you should have been willing to take from day one. I think that's something that we need to look at. Yeah, I think that it's you can say that with a lot of players, too. I mean, look back. You know, on the you know Marcel Darius year uh, when he was drafted, and uh, Aaron Donald was there, and yeah, you do you take a look at it and how elite Aaron Donald is a defender in the NFL, and say how could nobody understand that Aaron Donald was the guy to take there, uh, or the year Khalil Mack came out, of course. So you're absolutely right. I think that you always run that risk, Dave. Of and I think. Some scouts and general managers live in this fear, not only of drafting guys, but when they have a guy on their roster of wanting to wanting to hold on to him, even though uh, they know it's time to part ways. Uh, and I'm thinking of Marshawn Lynch coming to mind right away of a general manager, a scout living in fear of it's going to make me look bad when this guy ends up somewhere else and does really well. But it's I think the same really no matter what you do. And it is bad. If you look at the way rosters turn over, really in any sport, especially the NFL, it's foolish to take a worse player because he fits an immediate need. Because eventually you're going to rather have that better player, especially when it comes time to handing out a second contract. That's absolutely right. Well, Dave, thanks for the call. It It gets the show off to a great start. I appreciate you listening, and hopefully we hear back from you. All right. Sounds good. Thank you. Thanks, Dave. All right. We're going to hit a break, and when we come back, a lot More of bills stuff talk, happening. so much, a and a stuff. lot of stuff going around the league. Eric oh, yeah. Berry gets cut, yeah. sentimental guy there. I, I, boy, just for the story, the aspect of what he means, and uh, how much I admire the guy and his story. Boy, it'd be nice to cover a guy like Eric yeah. Berry. Josh uh, Sitton's out in. Um, he's sitting out. No, Josh. Yeah. Josh <laughs> very nice. <laughs> no, Josh Miami. Sitton is out in Miami. I see. Um, just figured I'd give you a couple. I don't other think. Ones. Right. But I don't we'll think get, we'll get around. Really let's get. Let's. Though. Let's. Uh, or a guard. I guess they can use. A guard. 
let's regroup here. A lot has happened so since exciting. we come on air right as free agency is breaking. Teams are releasing bulletins left and right. Uh, we're going to gather them up. We're going to digest them, and we're going to talk about it some more right after this on the Tim Graham Show. Sports. I forgot who I was for a second. Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. Crooked Rodak. This is Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. Welcome to the Tim Graham Show. This song goes out to my guys here in the studio today. Yeah. Carrying me. Anywho. And how come I keep thinking about her in all these sexual scenarios and stuff? Huh? <laughs> Bobby is jotting down yeah. a time of that. That's going to end yep. up in a bumper. Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. This is a Tim Graham show. The Fan. I really hear voices in my head. Yes, we all hear voices in our head. I can hear the voices in my head again. Sports Radio, Sports Radio 1270, 1270, The Fan. And on The Fan's app. Free to download in the App Store. Now back to The now Tim back. Graham Show. Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show here on Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. Free agency open today in the National Foosball League. Buffalo Bills have signed their seven offensive players that you knew about. They did not sign the two that you knew they wouldn't. They did not trade for Antonio Brown. They did not sign Le'Veon Bell. They are sniffing around Ziggy Ansa, though, according to some reports. That would be interesting. That would fill or at least get damn near taking care of the Bills' pass rushing needs, I would think. What are we listening to there, Bob? Oh, a little Queens of Stone Age. All right. I like it. All right, good Jonah talk. Bronstein, we were just talking as we were coming back from the break about uh, Anthony Johnson, uh, University at Buffalo receiver, at the Pro Day today, out at uh, One Bills Drive, because UB's Fieldhouse is not quite ready to host an event, even mm-hmm. though it is does seem to be on the verge of opening. They're going like to have the grand done. opening sometime this spring. Yeah. So they're close on that. would have been cool, though, to have an event when you bring in all the NFL scouts, and, you know, it seems like that would be a good time to do it. I but. think they were hopeful of that, but... Weather has, you know, the construction that they're doing is weather dependent. So Anthony Johnson, who had an ankle injury throughout the season for the Bulls and then gets to the combine and feels like his hamstrings bothering him too much, so he did not run the 40 in Indianapolis, ran the 40 today. And the consensus time, uh, with some help uh, from the Buffalo News, is Mark Gaughan, one of the only, maybe the only reporter, uh, but certainly the only one I saw who actually brought his own stopwatch. Because that's Mark on. He's going to be diligent. And uh, he brings his own stopwatch to time the hang time on punts at NFL games. Yes, he does during the game. And where else are you going to get that information? So, Only in the Buffalo News. That's right. So he's timing, and then he's also standing with the scouts, and they're affable enough. You can interact with NFL scouts at this event, and they're, they're helpful, and they, they want to share the numbers too because they're all doing it handheld. And uh, the, so the consensus time was 4.5 seconds, flat, 4.50. That's good for Anthony Johnson. What that is is, you, you know, you, you think of 4.4 being world-class speed, and everybody gets worked up about 4.4 and under because and, that's the sexy number. 
But what a 4-5 does, really, is it keeps him on the board right where you think he's going to be based on the film that you watched. You don't. He's not coming in at 4-8 or 4-7-9, and a scout or a general manager is going to say, okay, he's off our board, or he's late round. So what it does is it allows you to look at Anthony Johnson's film and say, all right, what we are impressed by holds up in terms of the guy's skill set. So you were saying that 4-5 or five is what he was hoping to get. Yeah, I talked to him at some point during the year, and he said that was what he was shooting for. He was carrying a little more weight earlier in the year, and I think he slimmed down a bit and, and trained for this, and, and I think 4-5 or five is what he was hoping for. There were some reports that he was even faster than that in the low 4-4s, four and I think that would have been great for him. I don't. It, it seems that those were a little bit erroneous or a, you know, a fast thumb on the, on the stopwatch. But he's not a track speed, deep threat, John Brown type of receiver. A 4-5 for the way Anthony Johnson plays the position is plenty fast enough. And he's one of those guys that's maybe a little faster with the ball in his hands than he is running 40 yards without a shirt on at the pro day. What everybody really wanted to see today was Tyree Jackson and his throwing drills. And he did it at the Combine, but he did it today. Uh, much more controlled environment he had his passing instructor jordan palmer there and they brought in their for lack of a better phrase professional uh workout receivers and i don't know these guys i didn't recognize them but these guys were in shape unlike i was talking about the guy the kid from marist who was jake dolagala was throwing to um Tyree Jackson was throwing to guys who would not quit. I mean, these guys were ready to get, they could have gone through another set of drills. And the funny thing about it too, is we're laughing amongst each other on the sidelines. These are guys, I don't know, 26, 27, 28, whatever. They're out there with their shirts off. Like they're trying to impress somebody like these guys aren't going to play in the NFL. Uh, Don't it's tell like, them that. They're smaller, yeah. But they're catching the ball and then turning up field and juking imaginary defenders as though, you know, and then they run an extra 10 yards up field. I'm like, hey, get, just get catching the ball Catching the ball here. shirtless, too, in their chests. Yeah. Which can't be uh, pleasant. So it was just uh, interesting to watch. But I, Tyree Jackson was, was good, and he was solid for, especially in the beginning part of the script, but his ball wobbled a lot. And Jonah, you you watched him way more than I did, and I watched him on TV a lot. But does his ball just always wobble? It seemed like, and I mentioned it to a couple of scouts there, and they kind of shot me a side eye glance, like, "Yeah, that's not great." But he uh, he did not throw a tight spiral. There were times in games when he would throw passes, and you could just tell that wasn't where he wanted to go with the ball, and, and it slipped out of his hands. Maybe it had something to do with his height throwing down at the receiver. Now, you always kind of wondered, was that a footwork? Maybe did he rush the throw? And I think in a pro day setting, you don't have those excuses. So He's not wearing shoulder pads, so he doesn't even have any encumbrance, you know, right there on his, you know, with his range of motion or anything. He's free to throw, and he's in shorts, and he's just wearing cleats. And, and, every, and again, everything's scripted. These are guys that he has been honing his workout with. Right. He knows exactly the depth that this guy's going to be at on such and such a route. He knows where he's going to make his break, what his angle is on this cut. Um, so, yeah, I, Tyree Jackson still looked great. I mean, or, well, he, looks, he looked every bit the part of an NFL quarterback. I mean, it's not as though he looked like he was out of place, but I was not impressed with his ball. As a thrower... I think he has a lot of similarities to Josh Allen. And I think maybe he's a little bit more advanced than Josh Allen was coming out of college, but he's better at With experience. He's had the reps. Josh Allen was, you know, 
even though he is a high first-round pick, he did struggle because of his injuries and coming up through JUCO and having to wait and the whole thing. He had Tyree and then coming out early. Tyree Jackson had games in college where he was very accurate for stretches for games. He's a, when he throws a good ball, it looks as good as any pass you've seen. But he's better, I think, on the intermediate, longer throws. We can really use his arm strength and his longer delivery. And it's the shorter throws, the slants that sometimes get away from him. And you know, the guy's open and he throws the ball at his stomach, and the, the pass is incomplete. That's part of what. They were trying to script today. I talked to Jordan Palmer, his quarterback's throwing coach, afterward, and they really wanted to script the short and intermediate throws into that session. I mean, everybody knows what he can do with the deep ball. And There was times today when he was overthrowing guys or at least outthrowing them. I mean, these guys weren't, you know, 4-4 guys, so they weren't quite catching up to some of these passes. But, I mean, he was throwing from the 25-yard line, and those passes were landing, I'd say, at least the opposite 20, maybe the 15. I mean, these were solid 60-yard throws that he was making today. And we know that the deep ball was there. And there's actually one play where he dropped back and just fell flat on his face when he was trying to uh, turn to kind of roll out or whatever it was. And um, you kind of you know heard some laughter and some gasps because he didn't quite know if he was hurt or not. But he got it pretty quickly. And uh, they were kind of joking afterward that, it was more of an equipment issue, and Jordan Palmer said to him, "No, that it's you know the first time that he almost saw a quarterback turn the ball over in his pro day. There's nobody there to <laughs> take the ball away. He almost turned it over himself." So Jordan um, Palmer, who by the way has been working out with Josh Allen, or yes. I should say Josh Allen's been working out with him in the right. offseason. What did he have to say about that? I asked him a little bit about it. Um, it was more about Tyree that I talked about, but Josh Allen is living out there with Sam Darnold and Kyle Allen, another member of that draft class with the uh, the Panthers. And so that's one group that's living out there, sort of the second-year guys. And then Jordan Palmer also has the rookies, or the soon-to-be rookies, living together. So it's Tyree, Jared Stidham from Auburn, and um, Drew Locke from Missouri, who are living together out there. So that's kind of his operation. I mean, uh, Tyree Jackson – thought that Jordan Palmer was the best quarterbacks coach out there. And he actually reached out to him on Instagram, saw some of his videos and DM'd him on Instagram. And that's how those two got connected last summer. And uh, now they've been working together since at least, you know, consistently here since January. And, uh, you know, they believe that the work has paid dividends. Tyree thinks that a lot of his gangliness and, and long limbs and some of the swaying and extra movement that he had, is being cleaned up, and he's he's remaining a little bit tighter in his delivery. And I don't have a whole lot to compare it to. I didn't really watch much of him last year, but it, it does seem like it doesn't strike you as the longest delivery from watching him today, which is a good thing for him. Phone lines are open, 270-1270. You want to talk about UB's Pro Day? You want to talk about what the Bills have done so far in free agency? What you'd like to see him do? from here or do we just wait for the draft are they in a good position now where they can uh, use their 10 draft picks uh, to take care of the rest of their needs I've I for one am surprised that they have sprinkled the infield uh, the way they have they've gone out and gotten a variety of spots all on the offensive side of the ball mind you but still they have interior offensive linemen uh, outside mm-hmm. offensive linemen. They have a running back. They have a tight end. They have two wide receivers. 
They've done everything but get a fullback. Well, uh, they have one. Or a, well, I said get one. Get one, like right. an ad, Like in terms of free I guess agency. Under Rex, the Bills did have, they did get an extra fullback. They it's would go the, out and get two. But it's the only position that they haven't really bolstered. It's uh, quarterback. And the, well, true. Yeah, quarterback also. Um, and we don't think they're going to be doing that. Now, there's really no need no. at this point. Actually, things that really look really strong at the quarterback room for now I the mean, depth chart plus ken dorsey as the quarterback's coach right. yeah i'm just saying yeah right. you don't know what's going to happen if josh allen or... struggles in year two then i disagree with that we'll see. okay I, why? I get exactly why you would say that and i don't necessarily think it's wrong but you know matt barkley and Derek anderson were both on the street and coming into the year and josh allen had showed some promises a rookie but they're you know he's not you know, he's not there yet. I don't think they have the best backup quarterback in the NFL. I don't think they have a top half backup quarterback. I think he had one good game against the Jets team that was just completely out to lunch that day. And I think we should be cautious about overrating Matt Barkley. It's better than some of the situations they've had early last year, other years when, you know, EJ Manuel was the backup quarterback. But I think it could turn for the worst next year. It's one of those deals where if Josh Allen gets hurt, your season's probably sunk anyway because he is the franchise quarterback. He is the future. Could be the franchise quarterback. I think we should be careful with our language there. No, I think he is the franchise quarterback because they're not going to move on from him before the end of his contract. I mean, he's going to have to be a disaster for them to start thinking about drafting somebody here in the next couple of years. He's going to get three years. He is the franchise quarterback. I don't... He's no, put three in, years he, makes somebody a franchise. Like Jamarcus Russell was the Raiders quarterback for three years. Was he their franchise quarterback? Well, he Absolutely. Was their, he was the number, he, he was the number one overall be. pick. I yeah, guess he, there's a difference between no, no. wanting them to be in a bona fide franchise quarterback. Now, prove, That's, well, now longevity in right. the role. But, right. yeah, you're drafted that high. You are the franchise quarterback. Right. Okay. That's now, are you plan. good at it? It's you're semantics. planning. Semantics. Yes. Right. Okay. Yeah, are you good at it? No, not always. But, yeah, he's the franchise quarterback, meaning they're not looking for other quarterbacks. For now, They're, well, in for three years, it, it, won't to come. Be, it won't be them looking at another quarterback. Let's right. put it that way. Right. So if uh, if Josh Allen's hurt, yes, you'd like to be able to think that Matt Barkley can come in, and as the old adage, you, your backup wins you fifty percent of the games until your starter can return. Um, yeah, I, I I I'll agree with you there, Jonah, for sure. But I still think it's a solid crew, and there's also that philosophy of you, <laughs> which. Some people think sounds silly, but you also don't want your backup quarterback to be too good uh, because you have this young quarterback. The whole thing of looking over your shoulder—if the fa- you don't want your fans begging for Josh Allen to be benched for—and they they're not going to say get Matt Barkley in there. It's going to be all right. Let's ride right. it out. We're not going to. Uh, well. And and it goes to really how much you can control a guy's expectations within one bill's drive and the coaching staff and the front office and everybody else to block out those distractions. But if, if they're two and six going into the halfway mark and Josh Allen's really struggling with all these weapons that have been added to his, then then, there's one name that's going to be in trouble and it's Brian Dayball in that case. Oh, well, people are going to be on Josh Allen too. They're not going to be forgiving the quarterback. Yeah. But I think they're going to be saying, let's see what, Ken Dorsey can do calling plays. They're going to want to see the next guy, I think, before they they want to pull Josh Allen. But let's say that they had, I don't know, throw another, uh, what, what would be an upgrade at backup quarterback? If, Nick Foles. Well, yeah, he's, he's a starter, starter now. 
He's um, a starter, but let's say who's Terod it? Taylor. I mean, he's the backup now in LA. I would say the Chargers have a better backup quarterback than if the Bills do. A, and obviously, Terod Taylor is yeah. not coming back to Buffalo. I'm just saying. I, yeah, those are just looking for a name. If there's a seasoned quarterback who is all right behind uh, behind Josh Allen, then I think at two and six, you Teddy have a lot of people. Yeah, if Teddy, the Dolphins are looking. Yeah, at if though. Teddy Bridgewater is the backup quarterback of the Buffalo Bills, then. Yes, mm-hmm. people are going to say, "Sorry, Josh, uh, we, we, you know, we, we need to see what Teddy Bridgewater can do." Or, you know, AJ McCarron, a guy who comes here yeah. and, and isn't. See, the good thing the Bills have is two backup AJ quarterbacks. AJ McCarron's another good that example. Know they are backup quarterbacks, whereas you can sign some of these guys who are waiting to get their chance and think, "I'm the best quarterback on this team. I should be starting." And the Bills don't have a guy and I think that would think that right now. Everybody kind of transition yeah. too. He used to be like a McCarron or a Bridgewater guys. You probably want to start, even though Bridgewater could go back to the Saints. That's not done yet. They Sounds all know like their Dolphins place. Are looking right. I think Barkley has gotten to that point in his career. And Bobby, can you please hit the OK button on that remote for I can continue watching the uh, I sure can. ESPN before the power saving mode goes on? Thank yeah, you. Yeah, I thought I clicked it earlier. No, it's all right. Click it again. Mike can has you to kick, watch the Bobby, can you click the OK button on Mike so we could do the show without having to <laughs> have a, turn it off. put him on power stage? Well, I'm the human off. speed bump, so I had to kind of... You know, we're going to actually... Let's let's reboot Mike Rodak, and we'll come back, <laughs> and we'll talk some more Bills free agency. We'll talk about the draft. Uh, we'll talk about whatever you want. Feel free to call in. This is Radio Duggernaut. Sabres. Oh, the Sabres. I was at the Sabres locker room today. Uh, was it very sad? I was at the Sabres game last night. That's I'll bad. say that. Now look, this is dangerous for me to say. I'm not around the Sabres a lot, but I've been around hockey locker rooms a lot. I've been around locker rooms a lot in general. But with the way things are around there, it was pretty loose. And uh, in a say la vie kind of way, Ugh. you know? But that's it. Hey, look, this season's over. I know. They know it. We said Everybody this wasn't going to be like that. Everybody said it. Especially playing two games These here guys without know. Jack Eichel. Yeah. These guys know. Yeah. These guys, everybody knows. Unfortunately. Uh, yeah, they're just uh, – it was a half-hour practice today. You know, that's that's been the norm from what I understand. All right. More sports talk when we come back on UB the Tim Graham Show. Advance. Oh, yeah, UB women. 85-52 win over Kent State. In Cleveland. Sierra Dillard, by the way, one of four finalists for the Don Staley Award. Best basketball player in the country. Anywho, more of that when we come back on the Tim Graham Show. Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. Tell me there's a chance. On Twitter at 1270 The Fan. I wasn't supposed to put beef in the trifle. Taking your calls at 270-1270. Podcast available on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, and SportsRadio 1270.com. That's a lot of information to get in 30 seconds. Sports Radio 1270. The Tim Graham Show. The Fan. Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show, Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. We've been talking Beals. We've been talking UB. Pro Day. How about some college hoops? We have Jonah Bronstein here. We should tap into his big melon. (laughs) See what's going on with the college basketball scene. A lot of activity. Canisius, disappointing finish. They only make it to the semifinals of the Metro Atlantic Conference Tournament. 
They get bounced a couple of nights ago. They, I think it's disappointing how they played in that game, but that's about their level. They were the number two seed. I don't know if they necessarily were the second best team in that tournament. And making the semifinals is about, I wouldn't say it's a successful season, but about where. But they were they good enough been. to have, had they won that tournament, it would not have been a surprise. Well, I don't think it's because they were good enough to win the tournament. I think it was because it's a really down year in the league. Nobody else was that good, so there was an opportunity there. Right. But I don't know if this was the year for them to break their 23-year drought as a school, for Reggie Witherspoon to get to the NCAA tournament as a head coach for the first time. I'd rather see that happen with a really good team that we say, you know, this is the year we broke through. And I don't think they would have beaten Iona in the final. I, you know, Iona was the number one seed. They had some struggles early in the year, but by the end of the year they were pretty clearly the best team in the conference. Real quick, while we stay in the Metro Atlantic, the uh, Niagara basketball squad fires their coach. Uh, he had twice as many losses as wins. Um, but you tweeted out that you were a bit surprised by that. Well, because everything you heard coming out of there was that he had such a tight relationship with the university president, uh, Mahar, and that he had, you know, the president had hired him. They had given him an extension before this year. It just seemed people that were Niagara fans or observers in the local community, and they'd say, oh, when is Chris Casey going to get fired? And it just seemed he was rock solid in that situation. Turns out he wasn't, and I I give Niagara credit for realizing that it wasn't working. After six seasons, they had five of them were losing seasons. In some ways, you know, if you look at the Kempom ratings, this was their worst of those six seasons. He hasn't recruited great talent up there, and, and it was time for them to move on let the athletic director hire the coach, which didn't happen last time and seems to be the case this time, and see if they can revive it back to what Joe Mahalik did for 13, 14 years up there. Now there is tradition at Niagara when it comes to coaching, but what type of destination is it? Well, what, what type of coach can you expect them to draw? Well, it's a tough job, and it'll be interesting to see who they can get with what they're paying. Probably don't, you know, a high-level assistant probably makes more money in his current situation, that what you get is a head coach at Niagara. Now, people is there might, somebody local that's on the verge or of an opportunity or might be ready? Well, I don't know if there's anybody on the verge. I mean, you look at UB's success and you would think Jim Whitesell, Brian Hodgson, their two main assistants, their recruiter and Hodgson would be somebody that Niagara should look at and say, hey, can we you know, get some of that success over here? There's people with local ties elsewhere, Desmond Oliver, Rob Lanier, who has coached in the MAC before at Siena. They're both at Tennessee right now. Carlin Hartman, an assistant at Oklahoma. What about Mike McDonald? Mike, Mike McDonald, I think, would be a good candidate, but I don't think that Niagara is going to hire somebody that was the head coach at Canisius and didn't have a lot of success as the head coach at Canisius, a retreat from Canisius. You know, I wouldn't want to say that myself, but I think the Niagara people would look at it that way. The same reason they didn't consider Reggie Witherspoon the last time they had an opening. Uh, Mike Menega is another assistant with some local ties. He's not originally from here. but He's he, out at Oregon, right? He's out at Oregon, and he's recruited some really good players for Oregon. Has great connections in Canada, uh, but also an assistant at Canisius before he was at Oregon, an assistant at UB years ago, so he knows the area. He knows how to recruit in the MAC. I think that would be a great hire for Niagara if they could pull that off. It's a good name. And there's a lot of other names out there, guys that I hadn't really heard of that have ties to the MAC, uh, head coaches at lower leagues that I think could be in the mix. Patrick Beeline, head coach at Lemoyne, will pro- is somebody I think the fans really want, and is somebody that might get a look as to maybe he's a rising star. You know, John Beeline's son. 
Interesting. A lot of a lot of interesting names out there. Although we have no idea what Niagara is looking for if they're looking for an up and comer versus somebody who has Division One experience already. From what the athletic director Simon Gray has said to the people he's talked to is that they are looking for somebody with some experience in the MAC. Maybe hopefully somebody with some head coaching experience, someone that can come in there and say, "This is how you win at this job in this league." Because some people from a bigger school or a certain geographical area might not know how to get. It's a tough sell to get kids to come up here and with the facilities and the competition level in the league. And it has to be somebody that knows that has either the recruiting connections here already or knows how they can win at this school, in this league, because it's a little bit different than somewhere else. More important signing news, I think, in the grand scheme of things, because of what UB has done and where it stands uh, as the institution, uh, the, the main institution uh, of college reckoning in western New York, and that's Nate Oates and his uh, contract situation at UB. You broke some news just a couple of days ago. Um what can you tell us about UB and Nate Oates moving towards an extension? Well, they're they're negotiating. His agent and uh, athletic director Mark Allnut, also university president Satish Tripathi is involved in this, and they're working on a new contract, as they did a year ago. That surprised you? Because I think that I'd even seen right before your report came out, like maybe even a day before, it was maybe perhaps even said on television. I saw at you know like national TV somebody saying, "Well, he's going to lose all these seniors," and you can rest assured that Nate Oates is going to be testing that market. And then here comes the report that not so fast. Well, no, it doesn't surprise me. In one sense, they just gave him an extension a year ago, so you wouldn't think that they're rip up the deal and give him a new one again. But that's the cost of doing business right now, and they've improved so much that you know if you really look at it, that's not surprising. No, it's not surprising because. This contract is being not talked from about. UB standpoint, but from Nate Oates' standpoint. If he's gotten to this position here, especially if they're on their way to another tournament appearance, that that he's not going to get to the point where he tests the market. Well, he wants to stay. He's told you that. He's told me that. He's told just about anybody that, both publicly and privately. But he isn't just going to stay just because. Like they got to make, they got to compensate him fairly. They need what he really wants is a contract and a commitment that shows that they're building this into a maybe not a high major program but a bigger operation than what it is now and as long as the momentum is going forward and this is getting bigger and bigger and there's institutional support to try to have a program that is top 25 caliber year after year he's willing to stay for that and it isn't all about the money but it's partly about the money another part of it is the cost of living here I think you know I think it's going to cost him at least a million dollars a year to do this new contract and to keep him here for a year or two or however that plays out. But because of the cost of living, a million dollars in Buffalo is sort of like making maybe a million five or so somewhere else. And some of these other jobs where he could get two million a year, say, you know, a low level job in the Big Ten, Nebraska might be open. Maybe they offer him two, two point five million, but that's not a league. That's not a job where you can really win in that league. That might not be all that attractive. As long as I think UB has a really good opportunity here, if they can come up with the money, to keep Nate Oates at least for another year, probably have to turn around and do all this again next year. But a lot of times, it was the case with Bobby Hurley, these coaches are looking to climb the ladder and really aren't interested in sticking around at, at these, you know, 
what do you call them, jumping off. You have to wonder what the states, because it's not UB being a state organization, what the state's appetite will be to have to redo these contracts year after year. At some point, they may just say, look, when's this going to stop? Yeah, and I do think after this year, if they do make this deal and it's a million, maybe a million two with all the incentives involved, it's also going to involve, I think, giving raises to his assistants and maybe making not an immediate financial commitment, but a good faith commitment to make a facility upgrade at some point in the near future. And then if next year they have to turn around and come up with more money and more commitments, eventually it's just not realistic for a Mac program and the issues with the state budget. New York state doesn't treat Buffalo as a flagship university where it's a big time athletics program and they're willing to pay all the coaches millions of dollars because it promotes the state brand and the SUNY system. That just doesn't happen here. But I do think that it is a state-funded institution, and there is cash to make at least this deal that they're trying to do right now. I think there's an opportunity to make that happen. All right, we come back. We're going to talk more Bills Free Agency. We're going to get back into some college basketball uh, later on in the show, too. I want to uh, talk about Damon uh, making their appearance in the NCAA Division II uh, tournament. And real quick, I don't think we need to talk about it, but uh, I think that's a, this is a local note. Hofstra losing last night in the Colonial. Joe Mahalik, former Niagara coach, a great team all year in the Colonial, and maybe even you know better than just the Colonial, uh, loses in the final to Northeastern. Northeastern just couldn't miss. And Northeastern played incredibly. It just Hofstra hit him on the wrong night is what it looked like to me. Hofstra was off a little bit. Northeastern was just sharp. And so Joe Mahalik goes from having the best team in the Colonial all year to not making the NCAA tournament because that is a one-bid conference. So looks like Hofstra headed to the NIT. We'll talk about uh, the Bills when we come back on the Tim Graham Show, Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. Sports Radio 1270. The fan. I know I'm gonna get pimped. I love sausage. Shocking, dizzying. How did this happen? When I bring the lumber, the Tim Graham Show. I diddled uh, some pole uh, over the weekend. Right. Not me, Sohonia. Here we go. Here we go. On Twitter at 1270 The Fan, taking your calls at 270 1270. Here we go. The Tim Graham Show. You're going to need a bigger boat. Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show, Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. March 13th, 2019, Year of Our Lord edition. This is the day that free agency begins. Not just the negotiation period, which has been going on. Everybody's thought, well, it's been going on since Monday. But really, the signings can't happen until today. And the Bills, right at 4 o'clock when this show began, sent out a press release stating that they had signed the seven players that everybody knew about. (laughs) Skill position guys first. Frank Gore, the running back. Two wide receivers, Cole Beasley and John Brown. Tight end Tyler Croft. And then on the offensive line, center Mitch Morse, guard John Feliciano, and tackle Ty Nishiki. 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 
or that's our that's our guess. Until we ask him when he shows up, and he'll tell us a third pronunciation. Probably. Because nobody ever bothered to ask him. And he'll say, well, they just told me I was the, or they started calling me this when I got in the league, and I didn't want to correct him, which is actually happens. Yeah. Or just change it on the fly, like to Rod Taylor. True. To Rod Taylor, uh, the spelling of uh, Stephen Hauschka. Yeah, he, he was, never wanted to correct somebody. Yeah, he just didn't spell it wrong he felt in college. Keenan McCardell, actually, is <sighs> Keenan Mc. Keenan McCardle for several one. years. Mike it's Roddick. pronounced. Rodick. Right. I've heard a lot of them. Milk Rodak. Oh, boy. If what you, were you going to say? I was going to say, if what you are you fighting me, to say? If you told By the me, way, this is Mike Rodak of ESPN.com. Jonah Bronstein here. He's handling things on Periscope. Uh, if you want to see a live stream of this show or any Tim Graham show, you can call in too. Phone lines are open 270 1270. Any Tim Graham show? Bobby Rosati will. Yes, are there other ones? All, all my shows, all uh, the previous episodes of the Tim Graham show. Uh, the previous episodes. Right. Hey, if you do call in, I'm just saying, hey, I'm sick We've of had a caller. Here. We've had a caller. It's been Give great. We have many callers. Okay. 270 1270, and Bobby Rosati, in his little cherub face, will answer the phone. Cherub. And set you up to talk football with the likes of us. Go ahead, Mike. Tim, I do tremendous uh, there's so much anticipation that my line is not that great. All I was going to say is that if you told me two years ago, not even, a year and a half ago, that John Gruden, Mike Mayock, and Antonio Brown would be sitting together at a lectern or podium, whatever you want to call it, a dais, with three Raiders Super Bowl trophies behind them, I would tell you you're pretty crazy. But Rock me on the dais. This is now the NFL. This is the NFL big story today. Big story. The cash-poor Oakland Raiders, as Chris Mortensen was talking about a couple of days ago on ESPN, in which the Raiders acquire Antonio Brown from the Pittsburgh Steelers and then make him, is it the highest-paid receiver in the NFL? Is that what it was? And then everybody's saying, well, giddy up, let's get Le'Veon Bell too. And to douse that story, uh, Chris Mortensen goes on the air on ESPN and and says the Raiders can't afford it. Not that they don't have the cap space. They don't have the cash, the type of money that you actually need to give a guy a signing bonus. So, yeah, the Raiders have to gut it out for one more year until they get to Las Vegas. But they have so much money tied up in well gifts, you know, public money. They're getting so much from the state of Nevada to build this stadium. They're trying to figure out a way to get a stadium deal to – get them through 2019 in Oakland It's always been until the Las Vegas stadium is built and they just don't have the money. A highly leveraged organization. That, that's one of the reasons why the NFL didn't really want them to move to L.A. That's why they favored the Chargers and Rams there because they didn't think that the ownership in Oakland was all that great in terms of being able to put forth some cash. I mean, the Rams paid for that entire complex down there by themselves and the Raiders have a lot of debt, and they're leveraged, as they right. say. Mike Rodak, what is your favorite Bills free agent signing so far? I don't like to use the word favorite because that's sort of— I'm asking you the favorite. Portends, your favorite. Well, you know, what's your favorite? Being a fan, what, I think that, no, the no. best signing for them, All right. not the favorite. Mike, nobody thinks you're a fan of the Bills. Just <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Bobby <laughs> makes a great point. I just, just want to confirm that. that you know, Nobody's going to be confused I with think fandom. The, Best signing that they've made is Mitch Morse. 
Now, granted, that's also the biggest investment they've made in terms of total costs and in terms of guaranteed money, in terms of the commitment they're going to have to keep with him. But I like the age. You're talking about a guy who's... It's the most important position that they've signed, too. It's not the sexiest because everybody wanted help at wide receiver, and yes, they got it with John Brown and and Cole Beasley. But yeah, Mitch Morris, that signing... It affects your quarterback. It affects the rest of your offensive line. You're getting a guy at the right time. I think they did well with the Micah Hyde and um, Jordan Poyer signings where they're catching a guy at the end of his first his rookie contract, and then you're getting him on his first big contract, so he's 26-27. That's right where Morse is. Uh, and so potentially you could have a center who's here for quite some time, not just the four years that he signed for, but potentially beyond. And if he's the sort of player that he was in Kansas City, then you've settled that position for a while, even though there is an investment. You're making him the highest center in the league. He won't be the highest center in the league in a year or two. Uh, just the way the NFL goes. So that's the Mitch best Morris, signing to me. to me, is the most important signing, which yes. I think is you know what you're getting at. My favorite, which goes back to my original question, just because I think I like Cole Beasley. I like the idea of him. Uh, the Bills haven't had a player like him, nor have they had a player really in that position we were talking about earlier in the show since Josh Reed. They haven't had a slot receiver. Yes, they've had Roscoe Parrish. They've had guys that they put. David Nelson, remember when he was a slot receiver? Yeah, he was also 6'4", or whatever he is, and they put him in the slot. He was not a traditional underneath slot guy like Cole Beasley is. And he's sure-handed. He makes fun catches. He creates separation. Now, is Josh Allen going to be able to fully utilize his uh, what Cole Beasley brings to the table? I don't know, because that's been the thing that uh, Josh Allen's been most criticized about regarding his accuracy. If he can't get the ball to guys like this who are crossing across the middle, but moving, and you know, uh, then what difference does it make? So it'll be interesting to see. But right. he didn't have this type of receiver last year. He didn't have a tight end right. who was worth a damn, and he didn't have a receiver out of the backfield that was worth a damn, even though LaShawn McCoy you know, can do it. The Bills just weren't able to. And they just didn't have an underneath guy. They didn't have a short yardage. Everybody was... Uh, every, uh, anyways, right. I like Cole, I, I like that Cole Beasley adds the dimension that pretty much every other team in the NFL has, but mm-hmm. the Bills haven't had for a long time. That's why I would label that signing the most intriguing because you want to see what they're able to do with that. But as I mentioned before, there are, there's obviously issues with Josh Allen's playing style, and um, you know have to see where the the matches between Brian Dable, who I think has the capability given his pedigree and, and experience of. Um, having an offense that utilizes a slot receiver like the Patriots have, and that's the system he came from. Um, but can Josh Allen take advantage of that? That's why it's an intriguing signing to see what they can do with that if they can develop it into something like what the, the Patriots have with Brady and Edelman. Um, but you bring up another good point in terms of their backfield, which I think is the most unsettled or potentially volatile position on this team right now what the heck are they doing at running back because I think the Frank Gore interest and then the signing caught a lot of people off guard we all knew that they're going to look at wide receivers tight ends offensive line maybe a cornerback so all of those signings make sense the Frank Gore one was out of the blue completely out of left field and it doesn't make sense given what they have on their roster right now which as of Monday was the three oldest running backs in the league. That's no longer true because Brandon Bolden just signed with the Patriots today, and Adrian Peterson, I believe, is back in Washington, just re-signed today. 
and those two guys are older or older than Ivory and um, and, McCoy. and McCoy. So one of those two guys is going to be gone, I think, Ivory or McCoy. Obviously the easier move would be to release Chris Ivory. I think the much more intriguing or headline-making move would be to trade or release LaShawn McCoy. And I just don't see all three of them coexisting in the same backfield. And I thought it was a little bit strange that – LaShawn McCoy, who's pretty active on social media, had nothing to say about Frank Gore signing, even though he has long admired Frank Gore every time they've played the Dolphins or whomever, the Colts. He's always talked about Frank Gore. Nothing. I mean, he's tweeted a couple times just about the offensive lineman signings and some other things, but nothing uh, public, no sort of public excitement from LaShawn McCoy about one of his better friends in the league joining the team, which I thought was a little strange. So it's always good signing fat boys. Ha, ha, ha. Welcome, welcome. That's not about Frank Gore. I would hope not. <laughs> Maybe it is. Maybe it's a, a shot at Frank Gore, but I think he's referring to the fat guys they've signed up front. So I next mean, season Michelle will be McCoy's a great a, one. Also tweeted a that. pretty prideful guy. I mean, he took offense at the end of last year when somebody asked him about Keith Ford um, seeing playing time over him in that New England game. And, of course, Shady ended up getting benched for what he said was being late for the, the team bus. But I don't think he likes the idea of having to share backfield with established guys like that. So you have to to wonder about the d- dynamics in that backfield and the long-term future of LaShawn McCoy. I know that the Bills have stood by him uh, in his future, but – I mean, they did that with Tyrod Taylor to some extent last year, too, and they called him their quarterback. And the best way to trade a guy or to uh, throw teams off your scent would be to say that and say that he's still your guy, that he still has it, that you're not doing anything with him. So I'm still waiting for something to drop on that. Um, I don't know. That's that's an interesting one. And also, when you talk about LaShawn McCoy, and I think this plays into some of the sentiment that we saw from Bills fans, at least on social media, when it came to Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell, the excitement of getting them and then they didn't want to come here. So it's, screw them, we don't want them. If you don't want to be here, then... We're better off. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I'm not saying LaShawn McCoy doesn't want to be here, but what are his motivations at this stage, as he's 31 years old? We constantly hear about these milestones. He wants to reach 1,200 yards or 12,000 yards uh, rushing in a season. So he still needs 100 or, excuse me, 1,400 to get to 12. So is he just want to rack up yards and is he going to be upset because Frank Gore is going to come and take away his carries? Uh, Or let's say they draft somebody. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's not beyond the realm. Yeah. In fact, they should. They need to get younger at the position. They have to have somebody. They're going to need a running back who plays special teams. Right. I mean, Chris, I. I So so you're you're not going to send these guys out there. Right after I just started talking about Chris Ivory, I said I should probably reach out to somebody and ask if anything's changed, given that we're past the start of the league year now. And that person responded in five seconds. I asked, is it still status quo? And they said, yes. So no breaking news. Nothing's changed. Which, I mean, could always change at any moment, but the Bills haven't made any sort of move there. Um, I don't know. Look, but I, I, look. Then the Bills. It's not like me coming up with this idea is is uh, original thought. I'm sure that the Bills are wondering what's Lashawn McCoy's motivation at this stage too. Right. And there's still all the off-field stuff that we talk about every at least every few weeks. 
as to mm-hmm. what's to come on that. And yep. can you count on the guy if the league steps in or if law enforcement steps in? The case is not closed. Right. right. If if LaShawn McCoy, I'm not saying he is or will be, if LaShawn McCoy was facing a four, six-game suspension to start the year, this Frank Gore signing would make complete sense as a guy to it fill in it for wouldn't. a short period of time. It would and it wouldn't. I mean, if you're paying him $2 million, that's still a pretty big investment for four weeks, especially given it would be guaranteed he's a um, – He's a definitely a vested veteran at this point, so you'd be paying. What's his minimum at, at, at that age? The minimum would be about a million, so you're paying him double the million. Now we don't know the exact breakdown of the contract in terms of, you know, roster bonus and incentives and stuff. But I, 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 the other thing here is that people, I think, misconstrued some of the the questioning of this move yesterday or Monday, whenever it was, the Frank Gore signing as being critical of him as a player. Which look, I think there's. Obviously, questions about him. He still being has tread on his tire. He had I mean, a good year last okay. year for the Dolphins, and I think it's just a matter of if, if Frank Gore was the only thirty-plus-year-old running back on your team, and you had a younger backfield, then I think Bills fans would love the move. It's just in within the context of what they have right now and what's going on is what makes it strange. If they had Sonny Michelle, or if they had Alvin Kamara, and they added Frank Gore to that backfield, then great. You know, you're adding a veteran who's. Again, still showing that he has it, but having three guys who are hanging on is a little bit strange. Could also spin it as Frank Gore is the type of guy to come in and have a little bit of an influence on McCoy to tell him, hey, you know, you're over 30 now. You got to play this game a little bit differently if you want to have the second half of the career that I've uh, had. I just, I hate I those. don't know if the Bills right. would want to invest in that guy for LaShawn. I mean, right. LaShawn McCoy is going to be LaShawn McCoy. Right. I think. And I think that the Bills would know that, you know. But yeah, maybe you bring in for some advice on a younger player. Right. Yeah, you, but I don't know that. That's a long Right, but I would go. say Frank Gore might be the only, I guess age-wise he is, the only running back in the league that you could bring in to have any sort of veteran influence on LaShawn McCoy. Yeah. Well, it doesn't seem to necessarily be working if as, you know, Mike makes the great point as LaShawn McCoy is not bashful on Twitter with reactions to signings or transactions and he has been Radio silent uh, regarding Frank Gore. Uh, just a quick point to make. Uh, seven signings all on the offensive side of the ball so far for Buffalo, but that doesn't mean that Brandon Bean is done. And reports uh, right at the 4 o'clock hour uh, saying that uh, the Bills are interested in former Lions defensive end Ziggy Ansah, uh, who played only uh, seven games last year, starting two, uh, but still managed four sacks. And uh, the year before that, 14 games, he had 12 sacks. But then in 2016, he played 13 games and had only two sacks. He's been a Pro Bowler once, but not since 2015 when he had 14 and a half sacks. So a little bit of a reputation thing there for Ziggy Ansah, but uh, the Bills may be thinking that they could uh, add him to the list and or add him to the group. And if they can get him back to form, then clearly they have a one of the fiercer pass rushers in the NFL. And then more... On a minor note, Logan Thomas, who the Bills brought on back in 2016, different regime. That was Whaley and Rex back then. He was just had been converted to a tight end by the Lions, and they signed him off the Lions practice squad. Obviously, there was some hope that he would turn into something. You know, he improved the last couple of years. He had seven catches his first year, 12 catches his second year, which would have been last year. Um, he was not tendered a contract by the Bills. He was a restricted free agent. They could have tendered him at the low level, which would be $2 million, which I think would be expensive for him. 
But then again, you have nothing else at tight end where you just signed Tyler Croft, but there's still, you know, a need at tight end, you know, for bodies, if nothing else. So he is a full free agent at this point, uh, free to sign with any team. The Bills would receive nothing back. And I don't know if there'll be much of a market for Logan Thomas at this point. You know, he tried to be a quarterback, didn't really work out, tried to be a tight end, hasn't shown a whole lot. So, um, you know, he's probably more of a physical specimen than he is a, um, a productive NFL player at this point. Entered the league as a fourth-round draft pick in 2014 uh, with Arizona. So in those five seasons, he has uh, seven t- uh, excuse me, 12 catches. No, I'm sorry, yards. 19 catches for 144 yards, one touchdown, all of that with Buffalo. So um, right. yeah, it hasn't hasn't worked out, and at some point you, you have to end the experiment. You <laughs> and it wasn't there. John Shabetta at St. Francis and a bunch of guys down uh, there in a in a playground uh, working out with uh, handmade uh, tackle dummies were able to turn Canisius basketball player Chris Manhurts into a more serviceable NFL player uh, at tight end than Logan Thomas has been able to be. Uh, so yeah, I think it's time to move on. Uh, When we come back, more Bills talk, uh, the latest updates in free agency, and more. Much, much more. Much, much more. On the Tim Graham Show, Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. is the Tim Graham Show, now on Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. Thank you all for coming. I've traveled all across the fabric of space-time. We could do a podcast, and it would be a million times better than whatever that drivel was we were listening to. Am I not saying it right? It's Wednesday. It's Wednesday, it's Wednesday! The Tim Graham Show, now on Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. Cow in the middle of the Farmer hits him on the head and grinds him up, and that's how we get hamburgers. Broadcasting live. Tim Graham Show. Give me some free whiteout, though. This is Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show, Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. I am Tim Graham from The Athletic, here with my co-host, Mike Rodak of ESPN.com, Jonah Bronstein of Bronstein Amalgamated, and Bobby Rosati, diddling those knobs. What are we vaping today, Robert? I made a nice concoction. It's uh, vanilla with a little bit of peach lemonade and uh, prickleberry. Is yeah. Prickly Don't look like to this. A... Mike, every day you ask me this question every time we do this, and he looks over at Jonah laughing, and I feel like they're laughing behind my back. I don't like it. No, we're laughing in front of you right here. No, we're yeah, laughing. But I can't, I can't look and is, talk to Tim. We don't laugh behind your back. Is prickly berry, like a. Is that always part of the mix? Well, he's explained. Let me see, because he doesn't. He says that he's paying attention, yeah. but he doesn't pay attention. Right. Bobby gets a supply of something, and he. Goes through it, and he will to get rid of it to reduce his stock. Mm-hmm. 
he will mix in things until he can get rid of it. Right. That was pink lemonade. Yeah, I wish I had a little lemonade now. I ran out of all my lemonades. But you could do that the same way without mixing them. You could yeah. just go through one and then the other. Yeah, but I just get I get bored, and it doesn't bother me as much as like if you mix ice cream with a pickle or something in real life, you know, like actual food. I would eat that, but you know, like if you act, actually mix food that didn't go together, it, it's much better than that. Did I just, you just like, like the, make that up on the fly, or is that something you've actually done? I love I, I ice love cream both and pickles. Of those. Well, that's the old pregnancy <laughs> yeah. thing, you know. Oh, really? Kinda, sure, yeah, I'm a big fan of those. You get but, strange cravings. Yeah. So. But uh, yeah, got to vary it up. I like the the exoticness. Do you think we should even put the phone number out anymore, Bobby, or should we just sit here and talk football? Foosball. Do you think people want to call in? Yeah, do it up. Two seventy twelve seventy. Put that bad boy out there. Where's Leon? We haven't heard from Leon in a while. Maybe he'll call us. I hope so. Leon seems like a loyal listener. He calls in He's a, a nice lot. Guy. Yeah, absolutely. I, he calls in and will ask questions, but not stay on the air except for the one time that. Uh, I don't know if he regretted it. <laughs> I think he called back the next week. So he, he did, but have. he didn't want to come on air. <laughs> right. But anyway, I, it wasn't Leon. It was the no. question he asked. I mean, he asked a question about a certain person. Right. And uh, I don't think Leon was expecting me to be transparent. No, but he wanted the truth. He got it. He got the truth. He could handle the truth. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he could. He handled the truth. See, that's one I got to have ready. Unacceptable. Nah, mm-hmm. it's all right. Mm-hmm. Seahawks resigned Michael Kendricks. Nah. So that's one indictment for Why? a guy who's uh, or under indictment for insider trading. I saw another guy who's an under indictment for insider trading over the weekend. The NFL? Oh, Chris Collins was oh. driving down transit in his Mercedes. And I, <laughs> no, I thought you said you like you saw a report. Back? Like no, I saw no, another no. guy was. No, I'm you're saying, saying that, you actually laid in, eyes on. That's what they on. have in common. Michael Kendricks and Chris Collins are both indicted for insider trading. You actually laid eyes on him on Chris Collins. Is what you're. Saying. I was just sitting right. at a stoplight right. okay. and I looked to my left. I said, "Hey, that's Chris Collins," and I pointed out to my wife. I Did said, you get his that autograph? Guy, no. Should have rolled down and asked him for a stock tip. You're a Republican, <laughs> aren't you? You're conservative, right? I am a, uh, no, I'm a um, registered independent. Where I'm unenrolled, I guess, in New York is probably the better way to put it. Did you vote for Chris Collins? Uh, well, technically. I think that's Mike's district. I might be admitting to voter fraud, but I, well, it was my district technically on November 4th, but I moved a month earlier, and so I was still registered in the Brian Higgins district. So I voted for Brian Higgins, even though I, st- I lived in Chris Collins' district, oh. so. I like that. Go sound. get oh, the no. uh, the county clerk after me and arrest me for vo- for voter fraud. I guess I how many times did you it. vote? Once. I mean, that's the you probably way. shouldn't be admitting this. I mean, it seems like a trivial thing, but what should have been a trivial thing, a woman just got locked up for several years for it. What do you mean? What was that? She accidentally voted in the wrong district, and it was an <laughs> honest mistake, and so she got arrested for voter fraud and. They put her through the whole ringer, and she ends up going to jail. And in fact, it's, it's the thing that's being compared to the Manafort sentencing. Like, oh, Manafort right. she got does more. all this stuff, and he got he got half the sentences as this woman who accidentally voted in the wrong place. <laughs> well, theoretically, my lease did not expire until after the I don't know that that matters. I think it's where you live. Where are you living? I had You're a not lease getting out there. Of this. I don't know. Does that, would that affect your taxes, can for anybody, instance? Can anybody prove that I wasn't living there? You just said it on the air. Yeah. Well, all right. Arrest me. <laughs> They're on the way. $4 million Michael Kendricks gets. That's a lot of money. Are there any, for his insider trading. Any uh, 
people who are familiar with federal crime or voter <laughs> fraud, please call in and advise us. Two seventy twelve seventy. I don't think it really affected either election. No, that's the thing about New York is uh, it's pretty cut and dried. Yeah. Usually. But anyways, you know what's not cut and dried? Neither Hi, cut nor dried. Russ Brandon is not available. Oh, wait, one more time. Been, yeah. Sorry, Russ Brandon is not available. He's not. He should run for office. I wonder what would happen if he ran for office. He could probably run for office in a in certain uh He's got a precincts. politician way about him. Absolutely. Maybe he should do that. He's good. He's good at closing deals. Not here. Tell you springboard, right? No, he should run be here. A good idea. Well, he could run. Eh. We got a robust inventory of votes. I don't know what that voice is, but, but he's not that's popular. Not, that's not too far off, Mike. That's not bad. Robust inventory is is what he would use, but he probably could run in like Syracuse, where he's from. Yeah, maybe Rusty. He'd have to run as Rusty Brandon. Good old Rusty. <laughs> that's a good one. So Bobby tweeted with the 1270 account. Can we say this word on air? Yeah. Yes. He tweeted at me saying bitch. Yeah. And then he retweeted it with his personal <laughs> Oops. And liked it. So then somebody somebody responded to it saying WTF is this? To which somebody else just responded, he's a bitch. <laughs> so I guess I guess there's some truth there. I don't know what to to say about that. It's confirmed. <laughs> I'm going to say What are you one, doing, Bobby? You just going through all the sound yeah. effects? I'm just like, you know, setting some moods. I see. Stretching out his board. Yeah. Jonah Bronstein, what is your expectation for UB in the MAC tournament? Oh, is I it a di- win. do they have to win now not to get well, in not no, to get into the NCAA to tournament, but would it be all right, so let's play out the scenarios. What would it take? Let me ask it this way. What would it take for UB to not make the NCAA tournament? They're in. I don't see You any think they're scenario. in no matter they're what? Absolutely. They could lose this quarterfinal game tomorrow against Akron at noon, and they're still in. That could really hurt their seeding. Right now, they're, you go to the bracket matrix. There's 131 different brackets. They put it all together. They're a sixth seed. There, so they're basically a five to a seven seed in every single bracket projection. There's a hundred and thirty something bracket projections. Yeah, yeah. Who are they counting? Like, and there's a lot of well, there are a lot of conference teams that are you know still have to win their tournament. There's a lot of numbers and statistics that would say they belong on the four seed line or should really be a five seed instead of a six seed at least in the consensus. So if they lose this quarterfinal game, maybe does that drop them two seed lines? you're still not in that bubble range. You're not in that bubble range until you're about a 10 or 11 seed. So they're in. And everybody that's a national pundit that has opined on that in the last couple weeks has said they're in, they're playing for seeding. A couple weeks ago it was a little different because they could have went on a run of losses that would have knocked them out, but they don't need to win another game to make the tournament. They do need to win more games and win the tournament to get, I think, up to that 4 or 5 seed spot where they want to be. A four is probably out of the question, but a five seed, if they win the tournament, I think they have a really good chance at a five seed, might not get it, but would have a strong case, and that's what they're playing for now. Now, to answer your first question, teams in their position lose the conference tournament a lot. When you know you have that in your back pocket, that you're in the NCAA tournament no matter what, and everybody else, every other team is desperate and has to win to win this tournament, that gives them an edge. You saw it last night, Gonzaga losing to St. Mary's, 
and that could happen to UB, but I don't expect it to. They just, I don't think these teams can beat them on a neutral floor. They couldn't do it last year. They've, really, they've won this tournament three of the last four years. I think they're – Mike, what are you doing? That was my phone buzzing, if you're oh, wondering. Oh, I'm what wondering, what is like. that yeah. noise? There's like a vibration coming yeah, from the depths of the room. I'm wondering if we're going to be blown up here in a minute. University at Buffalo women winning today over Kent State to advance to the next round of the Mid-American Conference Tournament. So they still have some work to do, but there's a belief that they might be able to squeeze out an at-large. An outside chance. They got it last year. Now they play Central Michigan, the number one team in the semifinals. If they win that game, I think maybe they got a chance. If they lose that game, I don't know if the Mac's going to get three teams in and they might get two in and Buffalo not be included as one of them. Would a marquee player impact whether or not an at-large makes it in the women's tournament? I don't really think so. And I'm not even sure it makes that much of a difference in the men's tournament, even though it's talked about sometimes. When, when you know the way these committees look at these teams, that's not on the sheet. It doesn't say, oh, second leading scorer, Sierra Dillard, got to get her in the tournament. But I, I think UB has had the kind of year, as they did last year, that they might get in as an at-large just based on their wins and, and how well they played. And we haven't uh, discussed it yet, but uh, Mike McDonald, who was in studio last week, the head coach at Damon, the Wildcats get into the Division Two tournament for the first time in school history, and uh, they lost their conference game, similar to what we were talking about, the UB scenario, but they went into the conference tournament. They had to play Bridgeport, at Bridgeport, so <laughs> Damon's the number one seed in the tournament, but gets the rewarded by having to play a team on its home court. On its home court, loses by two or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, it was a close enough game, but they knew going into that conference tournament that uh, they were going to be in the national tournament uh, for Division Two. So uh, it was great to have Mike McDonald to come in and kind of set the tone, and we were all prepared for it. You know, there was no worry really after. Uh, Damon loses that game. Um, what does that mean for Damon's program to make it? I know that it's a blip in terms of national or uh, local attention, Jonah, but I don't know. It's just uh, it's in the grand deal. scheme. It's a big it, deal for them, but, I mean, it doesn't really make the paper. It doesn't make the, the 11 o'clock news, but it's still one more layer, and we've been talking about it for a long time on this show, one more layer to the – college basketball um, tapestry, for lack of a better word. Um, it's a good word. Here in the here in this area. I think it's just been amazing that what's been going on with all the different programs. Uh, it's a big Spotlight deal. It's a big deal for Damon. Uh, first time making it. They've only been eligible, I think, four years. Oh, Jonah, I'm sorry, but it's Jerry calling in. and Jerry Sullivan? Jerry Sullivan. Our good friend Jerry Sullivan? Yeah, calling went. in. Uh, and we, I want to bring him in. I want to interrupt Jonah to bring in Jerry because you never know what Jerry. He might <laughs> hang up. He might lose his signal. He might <laughs> drop his phone. What do you got, Jerry? Well, as a former uh, star of the Tim Graham show, I felt my, I've been far too long since I had a presence. And I would like to, in a future show, challenge Mike Rodak to a uh, a reballoting of the who is the most despised member of the media, <laughs> me or him. And I, I think, given two more years for him to ingratiate himself, and you know my my absence, somewhat faded uh, absence. I think he's got a shot to take over. Yeah. I think you should redo the do the vote, Jerry. I think though to do it the right way, you would come into the studio 
And you, because that's the way we did it last yep. time. Joe Licata actually came up with the idea. Yeah, and he did the poll right. when he was uh, on the show. And uh, I think you need to come in and kind of state your claim so that way people can get uh, riled up as to who, uh, who they really hate the most. I don't want, or not even hate, but just gets annoyed by or under your skin. Yeah, who just like makes you uh, makes your skin crawl. When I retweeted this week the MMQB poll of X number of agents and where they would least want to put their clients, and Buffalo was number one in terms of the least desirable spot. And I don't agree with that. I don't disagree either. Just passing along the information and seeing how people react, and of course the reaction is all. Negative at me as if I'm one of the agents or I'm one of the players or I'm MMQB writing about it. But that's how it goes. Well, you've heard it, and I'm proud of you. But I think of myself as sort of the Joe Biden of this. You know, the Uncle Uncle Joe, Uncle Uncle Sully. I still, you know, have a lot of respect among the haters for being, you know, lasting sort of uh, presence. So I would come in. I think they'd have to hear me on the air to start to regenerate a lot of that disdain, and I would be willing to do that. Jerry, I think that there's another element to to your uh, disdain, to the disdain towards you, and it's that people thought they were done with you, that you were gone, and you just will not go away. Whereas Mike Rodak, he's been here, he's been constant, he's in the same role, and people are just like, what's with, what's with, you know, I've actually even heard Jerry... I've heard that there are some people down at One News Plaza that wonder aloud why you're even still tweeting these days. Like, what what is in it for Jerry Sullivan to to keep tweeting? Why why does he still have to have opinions? And uh, I think it's uh, I think that there's uh, there's that uh, uh, bone in the throat, uh, sliver under the nail, uh, <laughs> type of quality to Jerry Sullivan. He just can't get rid of the bastard. You know, Tim, reevaluating the analogy, it, I guess it's kind of like Clinton, uh, Hillary Clinton running again. <laughs> That's right. You're the Hillary Clinton. I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't inhale. Sorry, you said Hillary. <laughs> oh, that's fine. That's good. I could be a guy. She of a didn't inhale either. So, if Rodak is just you know tough enough to take the challenge, then uh, we'll see what happens. Okay. We... I, you know, again, I I think the Joe Biden thing. I think I might still have the edge. All right. Hey, Jerry, we have you on the line here. I know that you have your own show in the mornings uh, with uh, Bucky. The Bucky and Sully show airs every day here on Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. But we were just talking about college hoops here, and I know that you love your college basketball, and hopefully it's not too redundant for you from the show. But uh, what's your take on UB as we head into the tournament here? I agree with Jonah. I think they will win it. I, I think they're too good to lose right now to one of these teams. I think they played a lot of games where they didn't shoot well and play their best, and they just wear teams down. And in the final eight minutes, they're always the better team. And, you know, the team they're playing now, uh, Akron played Monday. I, I think they'll win. I We talked to Mark Allnut today. I think they have a shot at a four seed, Jonah. I think as as the 18th best team in the country, if they come in 31-3 and three with the most wins in the country, I think they deserve a four seed, and I think they'll, they'll be treated – better than teams like that were treated in the past. So I think they get a four. I think they would deserve a number four seed, but probably wouldn't get it because what's their best win? Syracuse. Syracuse might be the only tournament team that they've beaten. And I think you look at how Wichita State was treated treated the last couple of years, except when they were undefeated. And the mid-majors, they just, you got to have, Gonzaga, you got to check though, every single box. Number one seed. 
Yeah, well, that's Gonzaga. Well, can, they beat Duke. You can write. You're often right when it comes to basketball over me. I still think I think what's underrated in this is, is the, a lot of good road wins in a conference that's up this year. That, that that will matter, but it certainly wouldn't be the first time I end up whining about favoritism towards second-rate majors. So we will see, but it's going to be interesting anyway. One last question before we let you go, Jerry. I don't know if you heard the segment where Jonah and I were discussing Niagara's opening and how difficult it is to fill that position. It's a tough job, but they have the tradition there. Jonah was rattling off some names. Um, I don't know if you heard. Did you hear that segment? I did not. Okay. I didn't. So I didn't. All right. Maybe you'll add some, but I, I wanted to see if you had any names that you'd uh, maybe throw in there that Jonah didn't mention. But any any names that you'd want to expect or that you'd want to see get a shot there? I'm not, I'm not really wide into that. I mean, I don't know who the next Chris Casey is. One guy, a, a wild card I would consider who would be a a daring hire at this point is Bobby Gonzalez, the former Manhattan coach who went to Buffalo State and is a great recruiter. What's Bobby uh, Gonzalez but, you know, been up to? He's been doing a lot of different stuff, clinics, media. He's been overseas, working with the NBA, just an all-purpose basketball guy who I just have never – look, I know Hell, Bobby maybe they should bring now. Brock Eisenberg back. They could do it together. I mean, there's some New York City guys that would bend the rules. They might even pay – people to come on crew scholarships <laughs> jerry no, really, thank- Bobby, in a league where people like calhoun and patino and Beheim got on probation and had game you know Beheim had team games taken away the pariah of the league was still bobby gonzalez he was the one guy that could not get rehired that that's saying a lot yeah never that quite is. understood it jerry really you think the people the wrong way do you think maybe, or what do you think the value would be in going for maybe a former player or a former assistant that worked under Joe Mahalik and kind of revive that tradition and what they had going, you know, six seven years ago? I think that's a possibility. Maybe one of the twins from the girls' team back in the day would be a good pick. They were really worth come showing up for. <laughs> well, what's what are their names? What were their names? I don't remember the twins. That might have been before my If you time. Google them, you're not going to see them in basketball uniforms, though. You ask right? my, my kids. You ask my three kids' names, I might struggle right now at my age. <laughs> Becky and Jesse O'Donohue? Yeah, one of, one of the assistants, actually, yeah, the O'Donohues, one of them dated an assistant who played seventh man on a good team is an assistant. I wonder where he is now. Luke Dobrich, maybe. How about that name? <laughs> Go look up Luke Dobrich. I think he's in jail in Illinois. That's probably not a choice, but hey, nowadays. <laughs> but know. there's other ones. There's Phil Martelli. There's Kyle Neptune, former players. Tyrone Lewis is a high school coach. Demont Stewart's a high oh, school I love coach. Tyrone. Tyrone Lewis. See, you're more wired into this, what's going on. Jonah now. brought up Mike Meninga out in Oregon, bringing him coming back to an area that he knows. I don't know if Mike goes from from Oregon and that profile job to Niagara, but some guys will do anything to be a head coach. Uh, Tyrone Lewis we, we, would be great at it. I, I think he's a little young, but. Uh, you know, his personality, and, and if there was a player that embodied, I think, Joe Mahalik's personality, he was definitely one of them. Absolutely. What great, great charisma, you know, valedictorian of his class. So, anyway, I know you're trying to get rid of me. And this has been fun. Maybe I'll see you guys later at Elmo's. I Maybe. Hope, I hope that's the case. I, okay. uh, first, uh, first six on me. Okay, vote Rodak. Bye. All right. See ya. see ya. Jerry Sullivan. Are you there? Of Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. And much, much more. Uh, great friend. And uh, with that, we're going to hit this break. We're going to come back. We're going to wrap things up. We're going to talk a little bit more about Bills, uh, what's going on around the NFL. 
since free agency opened uh, an hour and 47 minutes ago. There's been a lot of news. And uh, take your calls if you want, 270-1270. Call in now. We'll queue you up. We'll get you ready for uh, the beginning of the next segment here on the Tim Graham Show, Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. It's a silly, it's a waste of time. Obviously, it's an entertaining thought to the people here in Buffalo and to everybody else around the country because it's stupid. Take more calls. You want to call in and talk about uh, and defend this or any other silliness? Taking your calls at 270-1270. The Tim Graham Show. Sports Radio 1270. The Fan. That the Dennis Eckersley sidearm point you were yeah. giving me. I, all right, I like to change. I wasn't it up. sure if I was coming back or <laughs> yeah. if you were going to the bullpen. Kind of like a you know Joe Torre. You know. Sports Radio twelve seventy. The fan. This is the Tim Graham Show, and I am Tim Graham of the Athletic. Here with Mike Rodak of ESPN.com, Jonah Bronstein from Bronstein Bronstein Can Am Inc. Whatever you want to call it. Jonah Bronstein covers the Bills and Sabres for the Associated Press. He covers colleges and high schools for the Buffalo News and for the Niagara Gazette. He is on the uh, he's on the Tim Graham Show every Wednesday. What else am I missing? Bills Digest. Oh, Bills right Digest during right. the season. The AP and the Buffalo News and the Niagara Gazette are the big ones. So, you know, you get, as a freelancer, you get some random one-off gigs, but those are, and the Tim Graham Show, my primary employers, which come tax time, that gets complicated having to sift through all Do you that. have a tax man? I have an accountant. Okay. Uh, I'll I get that. Uh, prepare my taxes. I'll get that 1099 to you. <laughs> well, actually, please don't. I probably shouldn't say that. Well, now we're all committing crimes, so we're in it together, I guess. Bobby Rosati, he's uh, shuffling those knobs up and down the uh, the soundboard there. He's bringing in callers. He's playing sounds and music. Fine effort today by Bobby. He brought in a new television for the studio <laughs> so we can now watch the tournament games while they're going That's on cool, we can right? monitor free agency yeah. we can it's like an actual talk radio station yeah, yeah. just one it's TV amazing what that television will do yeah. <laughs> it's too bad that there's no tournament games next wednesday or there's the first four or first eight whatever it is now i was out at key bank center today Ooh. working on a story and it's always good to be around the arena uh but What's going on with the Sabres and Phil Housley? I know that there are a lot of people in town that want to run him out. My problem with that is how many coaches are you going to go through until you find the right one that the locker room decides it's going to respond to? I guess people out there will be saying, well, until they find the right guy, but they've shuffled through a few of them. And if they're just going to keep churning through coaches, then there's a problem in that locker room. Now, inherently difficult when it comes to the National Hockey League is the guaranteed contracts, and it's great for the players, but really what it does is it handcuffs the team from making big changes like we're seeing the Bills making. They can remake their team in a, in a year and a half. Brandon Bean's done that. You can you can totally deconstruct a team and build it back up. Basketball, of course, you only have 12 
what how many players are on a team? Twelve? On a fifteen. An NBA, NBA. team. Fifteen? Yeah. Whatever. Okay. So you can flip those guys over pretty quickly. Um fifteen on the roster, twelve active for a game. You know. Um so anyways, uh, so so what's to make of the Sabres? I, I know that, uh, Jonah, you cover the team a little bit. Mike, you follow hockey. Uh, your take on, on what's going on here as they get ready to play the Pittsburgh Penguins tomorrow night. You know, it didn't seem all that long ago that you were talking about mm-hmm. the Sabres and the Penguins in a theoretical battle for the wild card. They were roughly okay. in the same position. Uh, the Penguins now have 85 points compared to the Sabres' 69 points. So... 16 point difference uh with not many games to go uh Pittsburgh in 6th place in the east the Sabers in 12th and it just doesn't seem to me uh, there's no point in even really talking about the playoffs anymore this right. is uh, uh this is a uh, it's a done deal the fork oh. is they're they're playing with forks in their sternums for the rest of the season well it wasn't Abs- that absolutely long ago. playing out the string yeah, they were shut out in two straight games, and then last night they're kind of talking. Oh well, we played pretty well. We had a lot of shot attempts. How much do you hold the coach accountable for this? Now, obviously, well, I should say, let me take that back. The coach obviously should be held highly accountable for it. How much do you hold the coach's job at stake or accountable? Is should the should the coach's job be in the balance? I think you hold them accountable for how the season went and the deficiencies they had throughout the season. However, I don't think that he loses his job because these guys got a little checked out and realized they weren't in playoff position, uh, you know, a month or so before the season ended. That's human nature, and but how many guys? Knows. How many of these guys are quote unquote checked out and then get dealt, get moved, and end up going to other teams and doing well, like Ryan O'Reilly and Evander Kane. They were considered the problem here. And I we've had John Vogel on before and he said that those deals absolutely had to be made. But I guess it goes to what we were talking about in an earlier segment. When when you lose a guy well, I guess it was in uh, Dave, the caller uh, who called in to talk about if it changes the draft and whether or not you let um uh, the receiver uh, go DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf if you pass on him and then he blights it up for some other team or you know like the uh you know it's, it's getting my words are uh, obscuring the point here but which is not good for a communicator I have faith in you I have that I'm gonna unwind this that yeah. I'm gonna fight my way through it yep you got three minutes take it slowly <laughs> you can do it I actually only have one minute so anyways um you get rid of these guys <laughs> And they go off and do great things elsewhere, and it's like, man, it just makes us look bad. These guys just wouldn't play here. Is it the coach? Is it the team? Is it the culture? Is it that whole uh, losing is contagious or losing is a disease yeah. uh, it's still left over from the tank? I, I don't know if that's true or not, but anyways, I just I'm I'm against the idea of firing Phil Housley because who's to say the next guy? You know what? what how, how do you unlock it? How do you how do you get through it? I don't know. It's like a a, uh, is it a Chinese finger trap? The harder you pull and the harder it is to get your fingers out. Yeah. I just remember my um, speech therapist in first grade showing me one of those. Why did you need a speech therapist? What I, was your problem? Because I can't talk. Neither can you, for that matter, right now either. But, but what, was your, what was your problem? I think it was my K sounds or my P sounds or something. I don't know. But... It's funny how the Sabres, in November, we would have said the Sabres were in much better shape than the Bills. 
as that was in the middle of the Nathan Peterman and Derek Anderson debacle and in the middle of the Sabres winning streak. And five months later, we're saying that the Bills are in much better shape than the Sabres. So things change. Yes. You know what never changes? The Tim Graham Show every Wednesday from 4 to 6 p.m. on Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. Thanks for listening today. Thanks for joining in with the conversation on Bill's Free Agency, what's going on with uh, the college hoop scene. We'll catch you next week with co-host Mike Rodak of ESPN.com, Jonah Bronstein, Bobby Rosati, and me, Tim Graham from The Athletic, here on Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. Podcast available on Apple Podcast, TuneIn Radio, and SportsRadio1270.com.